past few weeks, we've been uh, studying the miracles of Jesus, and this is going to be the last one in our series. I'm not actually looking at a specific miracle of Jesus, but a statement that Jesus made that sometimes we get a little bit mixed up with. So it comes from John chapter 14, uh, verse 12, just one verse this morning, but uh, I can guarantee you there'll be a few more verses along the way. So Jesus is speaking to his 12 disciples. just before he's betrayed to be crucified. And he said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these will he do because I go to my father. So before we dive into this text and try to understand its meaning, we need to understand the context here. And we need to also ask our questions, you know, who is Jesus addressing in this verse? I mean, obviously it's part of Jesus's final farewell to his disciples Um, there's only 11 of them them present at this time because we read in the chapter before that Judas has already gone off to betray Jesus. Um, He's already gone off and taken the silver to to let the high priests know where uh, Jesus' whereabouts are. So although he's speaking to 11 of his 12 disciples here, it's important to notice that the promise is not made to these disciples alone. The scripture says, "'He who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also.'" So it's an open promise concerning all believers in Jesus Christ. If you believe in Jesus, the works that he did, we will do also. Now, this is not just a promise, but it's also a prophecy about what would happen once the disciples had received the Holy Spirit and began to continue that ministry that Jesus had um, when he was still physically present with them. The first thing I want you to see, though, is that the scripture does not say the miracles that I do, you will do also. Now, this is an important distinction I want to make. It's, it's not that the word works doesn't include miracles, but I want us not to insert our own you know, um, ideas on the text. The text says the works that I do, you will do also. And we see in other places in John's gospel that the word works there, it's the Greek word aragon, Uh, And it basically means the deeds, the deeds that I do, you will do also, which of course in Jesus's ministry included a lot of miracles. But in John chapter three, verse 19, we read the same word being used. Jesus said, um, or John writing says, the light has come into the world and men loved darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. And then in John chapter 7, verse 7, Jesus said, The world hates me because I testify of it that its works are evil. This is that same Greek word being used. And so we can see from these verses, Jesus isn't saying that the miracles of the world are evil. What he's talking about was their evil lifestyle. He's talking, uh, when it talks about works, it's talking about a person's lifestyle, their actions, and their words. So what are these works? that Jesus is referring to in his earthly ministry that his disciples would go and do likewise. If we see now how the word is used in conjunction with Jesus's ministry, we might get a better idea of it. So just two verses prior to this verse in John chapter 14, verse 10, uh, Jesus said, the works that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own initiative, but the father who dwells in me does the works. So what we learned from this passage is that Jesus' works included his teachings, which he had received from his heavenly Father. This is further confirmed when we consider another passage in John's gospel when we look at the story of Jesus with the woman by the well in John chapter 4. 
So there was this, this woman that had, had gone to a well to draw water for herself in the middle of the day. And uh, Jesus began discussing with her about the nature of eternal life and true worship. And he revealed to her that he was the promised Messiah. And when, when he'd stopped speaking with her, says so she left her water pot and went back into the town. And the disciples came and offered Jesus food. And Jesus responded to them and said, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Again, that's that same Greek word, to finish his work. So Jesus was explaining to his disciples that his work was to do the will of the Father, which included sharing the gospel with this woman who had gone to a well to draw water. So reasoning with this woman about faith in him was considered a work in Jesus' ministry. In the past few weeks, we've been seeing how Jesus performed many signs and miracles, though, that also added value to his teachings. And we've seen how the miracles of Jesus were designed to bring glory to the Father. They were to confirm who Jesus was. And we've, we've looked a little bit at this, how Jesus confirmed himself to be the Son of God through signs and wonders. And we see that also in that story with the woman by the well. Jesus didn't just speak in the natural to her. He also operated in supernatural gifts. So when Jesus asked the woman at the well, uh, go call your husband here. You know, have, I want to meet your husband. She said to him, I have no husband. And then Jesus said to her, you have well said, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands. And the one whom you now have is not your husband. And that you spoke truly. Now, how could Jesus have known that this woman um, had had five previous husbands and is currently living with a man that she's not married to? Jesus never met this woman before. But you see, the Holy Spirit had given him all of the gifts. And in this case, he was operating in the gift of the word of knowledge. And so God revealed hidden knowledge to the Lord Jesus so that he could confirm his identity to her, that he is the Messiah. And we read in verse 28, when she left her water pot, she went into the city and said to the men, come and see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? And so that was the effect of the miracles, a revelation that Jesus is the Messiah. And by revealing Jesus to be the Savior, it brought glory to God and it helped the evangelistic cause so that more people would come to faith in Jesus. In John chapter 5, we read a story about Jesus healing a man who had been crippled for 38 years and unable to walk. Jesus said to him, uh, after, he'd, after he'd performed this healing, he says, I have a greater witness than John's for the works with the, which the Father has given me to finish, the very works that I do bear witness of me that the Father has sent me. So the works were there to show that the Father had sent the Son. And as we've seen in previous um, messages at Ignite, it wasn't just out of compassion for the sick, but Jesus healed them also to bring revelation of the glory of God. Now, back to our passage, Jesus says, Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also, and greater works will the, these will he do because I go to my Father. We need to consider what Jesus is saying here about these greater works. Does this mean that we're going to perform more impressive miracles than the Lord Jesus? I've heard that actually in prayer meetings sometimes. I've been around friends who are very, very enthusiastic and they're like, God, you said we're going to do greater miracles than Jesus and Jesus raised the dead and he cast out demons and he walked on water. We're going to do greater things than that. And it's been very, very enthusiastic and I've joined in um, all of that enthusiasm and faith. But again, we can't twist the scripture to mean what we want it to mean. We have to hear what Jesus is saying to us in his context. 
So on multiple occasions during Jesus' earthly ministry, I'm going to look at the resume of Jesus now, the miracle resume of Jesus, and just cover some of these miracles that he did. On multiple times, Jesus restored sight to people who were blind. And in John chapter 9, we read about a man who had his sight restored, who had been born blind. And in John chapter 9, verse 32, um, the blind man who now is able to see said, Since the world began, it has been unheard of that anyone opened the eyes of one who was born blind. And even in the book of Acts, when we read about the miracles that the apostles performed, never once did we read that they healed any blind people. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that no one in history outside of Jesus, none of his believers have ever healed someone blind. But what I am saying is that the scriptures, if we look at just the Bible, Jesus is the only person in the whole Bible who ever healed someone who was blind. Now, what about the signs that Jesus performed over nature? We know that Jesus defied gravity on one occasion by walking on water. And on another occasion, a storm, a violent windstorm arose, and it was threatening the life of the disciples in a boat. And G Jesus got up and he commanded the storm to stop. And the wind immediately ceased and the waves immediately stopped. So we see this great supernatural power Jesus had over the weather. Or what about raising the dead? I mean, last week... Um, Darren was speaking on the resurrection of the widow's son. And the week prior to that, I was talking about how Jesus had raised Lazarus from the dead, a man who had been dead for four days and in the tomb rotting. And Jesus spoke a command and that rotted body was perfectly made whole. And the man walked out of the tomb perfectly healed, perfectly alive from the dead. And that all happened in a matter of minutes. What about the hundreds of people that Jesus healed from sicknesses, diseases, and mental torments? We read in Matthew chapter 4, verse 23, Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. Then his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments, and those who were demon-possessed, epileptics, and paralytics, and he healed them all. So we see hundreds and hundreds of people being healed by Jesus in his earthly ministry. So when Jesus says that we're going to do greater works than he did, are we going to heal hundreds of thousands of people maybe? Like, can I just see a show of hands? How many of you have healed over a hundred people in your life? If you have, that's cool. Amen, brother. I bet you there would be a couple of you. But how many people have you raised from the dead? How many blind eyes have you opened? How many times have you commanded the weather and the weather listened to you? You see, we need to be realistic. The Lord Jesus did things that no one else in history has ever done. And his power was unmatched and unparalleled. I mean, perhaps if we were to look at the great power of the Lord Jesus on display, perhaps maybe the disciples, the immediate disciples were able to do these greater works that Jesus spoke about. So let's look at the resume of the apostles. Specifically, let's look at the apostle Peter and the apostle Paul, because in my mind, they stick out as two of the greats in the Bible. So when we read in Acts, we read about Peter after the resurrection. He's been filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus promised him, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses. And we see in Acts chapter two, Peter was filled with the spirit and he preached with boldness that Jesus was the Messiah, that he was dead and buried, but he was raised from the dead and that he is Lord of all. And it says 3000 believed the message and were baptized and became followers of Jesus. And then in Acts chapter three, we hear about Peter meeting a beggar 
who had been unable to walk since birth. And Peter said to him, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. So Peter then used this miracle that he performed in the name of Jesus on this man who he'd healed, and he used this as an opportunity to share with them about Jesus, to share with them about the resurrection, that Jesus is alive. And so again, we see Peter continuing this work of Jesus in the miraculous. In uh, Acts chapter 9, uh, we read about another man who Peter healed, who had been paralyzed for eight years and bedridden. It says, It came to pass as Peter went through all parts of the country that he came down to the saints who dwelt in Lydda. And there he found a certain man named Aeneas, who had been bedridden for eight years and was paralyzed. And Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus the Christ heals you. Arise, make up your bed. And then he arose immediately. So all who dwelt in Lydda and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. And so Peter's doing miracles that look very similar to the ministry of Jesus, but I I wouldn't say that they're necessarily greater in quality than the miracles of the Lord Jesus. And then we see later on, uh, Peter is performing more miracles. Uh, It says... Actually, sorry, previous to this, in Acts chapter 5, it says that believers were increasingly added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, so that they brought the sick out onto the streets and laid them on beds and couches, that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on some of them. And the multitude gathered from all the cities to Jerusalem, bringing sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits, and they were all healed. Again, it sounds really similar to the ministry of Jesus, but I wouldn't say it's greater in its... Uh, magnitude, just simply looking at the life of the Apostle Peter. Uh, He also raised one person from the dead that we know of. In Acts chapter 9, there was a woman named Tabitha, or Tabitha. And uh, yeah, so he he did do perform at least one resurrection as well. Maybe if we look at the life of the Apostle Paul, perhaps Paul was able to do a greater miracle than the Lord Jesus. Now, when I've studied the life of Paul, he did perform quite a few miracles, just like Peter did. But there was one unique case in the life of Paul that really stood out to me. In Acts chapter 19, we read that Paul did an unusual miracle. He had a season of unusual miracles. It says, Now God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul, so that even handkerchiefs or aprons were brought from his body to the sick, and the diseases left them, and the evil spirits went out of them. Now, this unique time in Paul's life seems to only have occurred once, and pieces of clothing of Paul were taken to the sick, and when they touched the clothing from Paul, they were immediately made well of whatever sickness they had. Could this be what Jesus was referring to as a greater miracle or a greater work? But when I examined the life of Jesus and contrasted it with Paul, I'd still say it's not greater than the ministry of the Lord Jesus. You see... You know, Mark, uh, Peter, sorry, Paul may have had bits of his clothing touching people and healing them. But in Mark chapter 6, verse 56, we read, Whenever Jesus entered into villages, cities, or the country, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and begged him that they might just touch the hem of his garment. And as many as touched him were made well. So by touching Jesus' clothing, people were healed. And then, although Paul was able to see people healed by sending a handkerchief to, to, to touch them, Jesus was able to perform miracles without even meeting the person. 
You see, in Matthew chapter 8, we read about a Roman centurion who begged Jesus to come and heal his servant. And Jesus said to him, go your way, and as you have believed, so let it be done for you. And so Jesus was able to heal people remotely. And then in Mark chapter 7, we read about a Gentile woman, the Syrophoenician, who pleaded with Jesus to come and heal her daughter because she was severely demon-possessed. And after seeing her faith, he simply proclaimed that her daughter would be set free. And it says the spirit left her that very hour. And Jesus was nowhere even near this girl. And so by speaking a word, without even laying hands on someone, without even having a piece of clothing touching them, Jesus was able to heal people remotely in a different town. So who did do these greater works that Jesus said? Um, The answer is not one person, none of us, none of the apostles. We may have done works like Jesus, but we didn't do a greater work in that sense that Jesus is saying. So how are we to understand this verse this morning? Well, I would put forward to you the key to understanding this verse is the last section, which says, they will do greater works than these because I go to my Father. So we need to understand what is Jesus saying when, he, when he's referencing going to the Father. We know that Jesus, after this time, is about to be crucified on a Roman cross, but he He's about to leave these disciples, and at the start of John 14, he says, because I've told you these things, sorrow has filled your heart. But in John 16, Jesus tells them, it is actually to your advantage that I go away, because if I don't go away, the helper will not come. So we read in John chapter 16, verse 7, Jesus said, nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you, but if I depart, I will send him to you. So Jesus promised that after he ascended to the Father, he would send the Holy Spirit to be our helper. And the help that we would receive from the Holy Spirit would give us an advantage. It would be better for us to have the Holy Spirit dwelling within each and every one of us than it would be to have Jesus remaining on earth in the flesh. Now, I just want you to think about this. You see, Jesus, when he was in his body on earth, He's only in one place at one time. I mean, if we think back to some of the stories we've looked at, um, Pastor Darren and I, that we've been preaching through. For example, when I, I preached on Lazarus, it was Mary and Martha having to send a messenger to Jesus in a different town, pleading with Jesus to come and to heal their brother Lazarus who had been sick. So the Lord Jesus wasn't always physically present when people had their time of need. But now, through the Holy Spirit, Jesus can be many places at once because he lives in the heart of believers. And he's continuing his works through his church on the earth, which is called the body of Christ. See, Peter's healing ministry wasn't greater than Jesus' healing ministry, nor was Philip the evangelist a greater teacher than Jesus. But together, the body of Christ could be in many places around the world at once, impacting different parts of the world at the same time and working together to show the world who Jesus is. I mean, think about it even now. We're having church here in Mumbai on the Sunshine Coast. Think of the thousands and thousands of people at other churches across the world hearing people teach, having being prayed for and being healed of sicknesses, having the Lord Jesus present with them wherever they are across the world. The ministry of the Lord Jesus is continuing through his church. 
At the end of Matthew's gospel, I love to quote this verse, all authority has been given to me in heaven on earth. This is Jesus speaking. Go therefore and make disciples of the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So the Lord Jesus has promised to be with his church even to the end of the age, not in person, in the flesh, but dwelling in the hearts of believers through the power of the Holy Spirit. In Galatians 2.20, Paul said, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the church is called the body of Christ. And the body of this Christ is described as having different members with different spiritual gifts given to individuals as the Holy Spirit chooses to give them. Reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27, Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. And God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, administrations, varieties of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Are all workers of miracles? Do all have the gift of healings? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? I have a confession to make to you this morning. I personally have never seen someone instantaneously healed when I prayed for them. The Lord Jesus has seen it happen, and I've got friends who've seen it happen, but me personally, I've never laid hands on the sick and see them recover instantaneously. But does that mean that I'm failing to do the works that Jesus said that I would do? Does that mean that I'm not fulfilling his promise, that he who believes in me, the works that I do, he would do also? Not at all. You see, the Lord Jesus has given me different spiritual gifts to my friends that lay hands on the sick and see them recover. I've been given the gift of teaching. I've been given the gift of evangelism. And I've operated in other spiritual gifts before. So you see, we're all part of the Lord's body, but we all have differing gifts as the Holy Spirit has given to each one. I need you. I need your ministry and you need my ministry. And together we form the body of Christ and we are witnesses of the Lord Jesus Christ, that he lives, that he has been raised from the dead and he is alive in his church, ministering throughout the world, collectively. I know some of you in this room have the gift of healing and you have seen miracles and you have seen them recover. And when you do that, you are bringing glory to God and you are revealing that Jesus is the Messiah and that Jesus was raised from the dead. You're fulfilling the promise, the works I do, you will do also. Some of you though in this room have what some people would regard, regard as less impressive gifts, but we, are, we need each other, you know? I've seen some of you operate in the gifts of helps or administration, like it says um, in the spiritual gifts. And when you operate in the gift of helps or administration, you are bringing glory to God by revealing something of Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus, when he said the works I do, you will do also, it was his lifestyle. This same Jesus, just a chapter previously, is the Jesus who girded his waist and got down on his knees and washed the disciples' feet and served them. And when you operate in these gifts of serving one another, it's amazing. The Spirit of God is working in each one of us to show the world who Jesus Christ is. And when we come together as a church collectively, it's beautiful to see all of the strengths coming together to bring glory to God. 
So we need to make church a priority in our lives. We really do because we need to come together. We need, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens his friend. I need your gifts, you need my gifts, and together we need to continue the ministry of Jesus on earth. So I'm just going to end in prayer now, and then I'm going to hand back to Pastor Darren. So let's just bow our heads in prayer. Father in heaven, we just thank you so much that you've called your church to do great things, greater things, in that you've filled us with your Holy Spirit so that each one of us could continue the works of Jesus on earth and fulfill this promise. Lord, we just ask that you would come now with power and reveal yourself in our meetings and indeed reveal yourself in all the meetings across the world right now, that the whole world would know that, Lord Jesus, you live and you are Lord of heaven and earth. Thank you so much that you use your church to be your hands and feet and mouthpiece to a dying world. I pray, Lord, strengthen us now. Fulfill your promise. You said that we would receive power when your spirit has come upon us, power to be your witnesses. We just thank you for the body. We thank you for this body of believers. In your mighty name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Josh. That was good, wasn't it? Do you know, yeah, yeah, put your hands together for him. Do you know, we are the body of Christ and nothing will stop the body of Christ being the body of Christ. No legislation, no virus, no law. Because we're his body and we're able to minister one to another. I was looking at my hands and I realized that these are just normal hands. There's nothing special about my hands because I'm a pastor. There's nothing special about somebody else's hands. We are all the body and we can all minister to each other. Do I hear an amen to that? So rather than finish with a song or something this morning, what I would like to do is to finish by ministering to one another. Okay, now if you have to wear a mask or something, that's fine. But I, I believe our prayers count, don't you? Why would, why would we be asked to pray? Why do we need to pray? We don't pray because we need to tell God what we need. We pray because he already knows what we need, but we pray for us so that we understand. And so I believe that there is power in our prayers, not because of what we pray, not because of flowery language or <coughs> the way we pray. Prayer is just talking to God. There is power in our prayers because of who we pray to. And when we ask God, when we, when we reveal our heart to him and we say, Lord, Lord, this is our need. Can you meet this need? Lord, we bring this need to you. Father, we place it in your hands. When we trust him, it's not our faith that makes it happen. It's who our faith is in because he is the God of all creation. And he did miracles when he was on earth and he continues to do miracles through his body today. Do you believe that? So in a moment, we're going to just gather together in little groups and we're going to pray one for another. Is that okay? If you're, if, you're not, if you're not used to praying, that's okay. Just say to everybody, I'd rather not and listen to everybody else's prayers. But I believe we can see miracles happen. We are seeing it again and again and again. And I believe that we can see healings happen. Do you agree? I have seen a few times when I pray for people and they've been instantaneously healed. But it doesn't always happen. Does that make it wrong? No. Because we pray to God and we leave it with him. Can you trust God even if you don't get the answer you want? See, that's real trust. We think that we can sort of reel God in and he'll do whatever we want. But 
Can you trust him even if you don't get it your way? Can you still trust him? That's really the trust that we're looking for.